0: mess. It was a premarital counseling session I will not soon forget. I was pastoring a rural church in Franklinton, Louisiana, Barna Creek Baptist Church, and a young couple was engaged to be married. And We're in our second premarital counseling session, and I noticed that something was terribly, terribly wrong. Uh, Mary Lou was visibly shaken and upset, and her fiancé, Billy Joe, just didn't know what to do. He, he was oblivious to what was happening. At one point, Mary Lou dropped her face into her hands and just started sobbing uncontrollably, and Billy Joe's trying to console her. He's trying to help her feel better, and it's to no avail, and I don't know what's going on. He doesn't know what's going on, and then all of a sudden, she blurted out, I'm pregnant. Thinking, well, this is not an ideal situation. It's not a hopeless situation, but then I looked at Billy Joe and I noticed the color in his face began to change. And it became quickly apparent that he was not the father. So now we've got a situation. And I don't know what to do. He's getting angrier and angrier. She's falling apart at the seams. I do the only thing I know to do, I dive in the middle of them and call timeout, like a coach running down the sideline. Timeout, timeout, timeout. We're done for today. That's the end of this session. We'll come back in a week, and we'll, I don't know what we'll do, but we'll meet back in a week. So that next week goes by. I still don't know what to do. I'm waiting for them at my office, and I notice they pull up in his truck, and they're all snuggled up together, and giggling and happy and laughing and bounce out of the truck and bebop toward the office, just kind of float into the office. And I'm scratching my head thinking, what has happened? And Billy Joe said, hey, pastor, everything's okay. Uh, I had a dream. And in that dream, God told me that the baby in Mary Lou's womb was put there by God himself. What do you say to that? Yeah, you know, that, that is a true story, sort of. I, I've shared it here several years ago. It is, it is a true story. It didn't happen to me. It didn't have anything to do with me. But it, and, and I took liberties in telling it, sure. But it really did happen to a young, engaged couple 2,000 years ago. Can you imagine the mess? Oh, the mess that Mary and Joseph found themselves in. When Mary was found to be with child before they even came together? In that culture and in that time and in that day, can you imagine what a mess? But quickly, that oh, what a mess was transformed into oh, what a Messiah. And today I want to speak to you on that subject. Oh, what a Messiah. We're still in our Knowing the King of Heaven series. We're still in the book of Isaiah. In fact, we're in Isaiah chapter 9 today. Last week we were in Isaiah chapter 7. And in Isaiah chapter 7, King Ahaz is the king of God's people. And at that time, the throne is being threatened. King Ahaz is terrified. The people of God are terrified. God sends his prophet Isaiah to talk some sense into the king, give him some hope. The king made a terrible decision. He was not a godly man, and he chose to reject God. He chose to reject God's prophet. He chose to reject God's word. He chose to reject God's hope. And he aligned himself with the enemy. He made an alliance with Assyria. And at that moment, they fell into darkness. The king and the people of God. You can read all about that darkness in Isaiah chapter 8. In fact, if you were to sum up Isaiah chapter 8, you could say it like this. Oh, what a mess. As they are, Isaiah 8 says, they are thrust into thick darkness. Isaiah 9 is different. Isaiah 8 is, oh, what a mess. Isaiah 9 is, oh, what a Messiah. So I want to read to you beginning in verse 1 in chapter 9 through verse 6, and then we'll park at verse number 6. But let's begin in verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not there, the scripture will be on the screen. Here we go. Isaiah 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. For to us a child is born. To us a a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Gracious Father, we're so thankful for the holy word of God, your word this morning that is alive. That is active, that is sharper than the sharpest of swords. How we're thankful that it's going to cut and divide today, that it's going to challenge us, it's going to convict us, it's going to encourage us. Lord, our prayer is that we will respond. Holy Spirit, teach us and let us respond in a way that brings honor and glory to your name, in Christ's name. And God's people said, yeah, this morning I just want to clarify some things, give several clarifications on the Messiah. Dr. Jerry Vines has said of this verse, our verse today, verse number 6, Jerry Vines has said that this is the greatest single verse in all the Bible about the Lord Jesus Christ, about Messiah. And we're going to find out, I want to clear some things up about the Messiah uh, this morning, Right out of this one verse And not even the whole verse We're going we're to look at the first three sections of this verse today In Isaiah 9, verse number 6 And I want to clarify a few things Number one, I want to clarify We just asked the question, Mary, did you know? I want to clarify that Mary did know Mary did know Jesus was Messiah And why that is important for us to know That she knew Jesus was Messiah And she knew that And we have evidence of that so look at the first part of verse 6. For to us, a child is born. The word born means the child was brought forth. Uh, the child was given birth to. That This child came forth. This child brought forth. This child appeared. This child was born. You've heard the phrase message in a bottle? <laughs> well, think of this as message in a baby. Think about birth announcements. Birth announcements are... Always made after the baby is born, right? I mean, yeah, you may have a gender reveal before, you may have a pregnancy announcement before, but the birth announcement always comes after the birth. Thus, birth announcement, right? Well, Isaiah announces the birth of Jesus 700 years. Before the birth. Now, I'm not a genius, but a birth announcement being made before the birth should be a huge clue. Your Sherlock Holmes, Watson, the game is afoot. Radar should be going off. This is a huge clue that there's something special about this baby. And so Isaiah makes it pretty clear that to us, A child is born. Have you ever noticed how a baby changes your home, your family, your world? Anybody ever notice that? You ever notice when a baby and a grandbaby comes, you are no longer the most important person in your family, your home, or your world? You ever notice that? You ever notice how a baby just completely changes the game? Babies are game changers. They change again. I can remember the first time, that I had Brady and Bell. Bell was a newborn. Brady was maybe two years old. I can remember the first time I had them both at home at the same time by myself. Tanya had, had gone for some relief, I'm sure, and left me there. I'm not bitter about that at all. Bell was a newborn. I was taking care of the newborn and Brady, it was Christmas time, we had stockings on the mantel and she decided to pull those stockings down not one, not two, not three, but all four and the ceramic stocking holders just hit the floor just exploded all over the floor one of them hit her in the head her mom comes home, Brady's bleeding got a bruise on her head I'm trying to take care of Belle a total disaster, utter disaster I can remember having a desire to write my mother a long apology letter of how many times I made a mess as a baby. They just change everything. Don't they? Babies change everything. And this baby not only changed Mary and Joseph's world. I mean, think about it. Babies make us more responsible, more prayerful, more grateful, more blessed, more tired, more exhausted. Right? They do all of that all at the same time. They change everything. But this baby not only changed Mary's world, not only changed Joseph's world, this baby changed the whole world. And Isaiah points us to that child who to us is born. In chapter 7, Isaiah gives even more detail. Listen to this. Chapter 7, verse 14, Isaiah says, Behold, the virgin... Shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. That's in chapter seven. And so in Matthew one, all of this is fulfilled in the person of Christ, the Lord, Jesus of Nazareth. For he is born, and Mary is told you should call His name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And it's fulfilled. This prophecy that Isaiah prophesied 700 years beforehand is fulfilled. Jesus was the virgin-born son, the child born to us of Mary, who, who, by the way, Mary was a descendant of the king of David, as was her husband Joseph. So Mary did know. Mary did know Jesus was Messiah. How do we know that? Well, Mary knew her Hebrew Bible. When the angel told her she was going to be with a child that would bless the whole world, he'd be great and he'd be called the Son of the Most High, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, she didn't say, well, what are you talking about? She knew her Hebrew Bible. She knew about Messiah coming. She knew that her son Jesus would perform miracles. That's why she told him at the wedding at Cana, hey, they're out of wine. And Jesus told her, woman, my time has not yet come. She knew. She knew the prophecy of Isaiah. She knew that the Messiah would give sight to the blind and the lame would leap and the deaf would hear and the dead would be raised. She knew this because she knew the word. She knew that her son would be the son of God when she visited Elizabeth. And Elizabeth said, why is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Mary said, this is what Mary said, I'm quoting Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. She knew her son was the son of God she knew her son would save you're going to call him Jesus why he's going to save his people from their sins she absolutely knew Jesus was Messiah now why is that important for us to know that she knew Jesus was Messiah first of all it's important because if Mary knew that Jesus was Messiah that means that Mary knew she was not Messiah Mary is not to be worshipped she's to be called blessed Yes, she's not to be worshipped. She calls God her Savior, God my Savior. She refers to herself as a servant of God. Blessed, yes. Worship, no. And if Mary knew that Jesus was Messiah, you know what that means? It means we can know too. That's what it means. You can know He's Messiah, and I can know He's Messiah. And He can change our world. Why is it necessary for us to know that to us a child is born? This speaks of Jesus' humanity. You need to circle the first part of verse 6, make a note somewhere, write out beside it, write in your notes, Jesus is fully God. And reference it to Isaiah 9, 6, the first part of verse 6. To us a child is born means that Jesus was 100% fully man. 100% human. Why is that important for us to know? Why is it necessary for us to know that Jesus... To us, this child is born. Paul Harvey, one of my favorite storytellers of all time. And he tells a story of a man, or he told a story of a man, who he introduced as not a Scrooge, a man who was decent, a man who was good, a man who was generous to his family, and he was upright in his dealings with other people. But this man could not grasp, he could not believe in, the, in this incarnation stuff that churches talk about at Christmas, he couldn't wrap his mind around the fact that God became a man. He, he just couldn't go. He just couldn't get there. So he told his wife, he said, Look, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be going to Christmas Eve service with you and the children this year. I just feel like a hypocrite if I go because I don't believe that, and I'm just going to stay at home. Well, shortly after his family left, it started snowing and he began to hear a thud or thump at the back window. Thud, thump, thump, thud. And he thought, well, somebody's throwing snowballs at the window. And then he got up and went and looked and he saw a huddle of birds uh, trying to get into a place that was warm. They were stuck in a storm and trying to find some warmth and He didn't want them to freeze to death, so he thought, well, I'll just open the barn door and turn on the light and direct them toward the barn. They can be safe and warm in there. So he put on his boots, put on his coat, went outside and tried to direct the birds to the barn. Tried to shoo them to the barn. He thought, well, that's not working, so maybe food will work. So he goes and gets breadcrumbs and lays a trail to the barn. That didn't work. So he's out there waving his arms and Every time he does that, they they scatter in every direction except toward the barn. (laughs) He just couldn't get them in there. And so he pauses and he thinks, I can't catch them. I can't shoo them in there. I can't entice them in there with food. What can I do? I I want them to know that they don't have to be scared of me. Obviously, they're scared of me. Obviously, they think I'm trying to hurt them and not help them. So what can I do? He thought, man, if I could only become a bird... If only I could become a bird and and mingle with them. If only I could become a bird and speak their language. If only I could become a bird and tell them, Hey, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not here to harm you. I'm here to help you. To them right now, I'm just this strange, scary creature. But man, if I could become a bird, they would listen to me. I could, I could get them to that safe and warm barn, but, but I have to become a bird so they can see, so they can hear me, so they can understand me. And at that moment, the church bells rang, and he came to the realization that, hey, that's what Jesus has done for us. He's become one of us. He speaks our language. He, he's come to, to, to point us To the truth that he came to us. He came as us. He came for us. He came to save us. He came to tell us he's not here to hurt us. He's here to help us. And he is the help that comes from God. He is the truth and he is the way and he is the life. Mary knew it and you can know it too. You can know it too. Here's a second clarification. Need to clear up. The the second part of verse 6. We see the humanity... For to us a child is born that Jesus was 100% human. But in the second part of verse 6 we see the deity that he's 100% God. That that, that to us a son is given. The giver gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This screams of the deity of Christ that he is 100% human. He is 100% God all at the same time and think about how he was given he was given in birth he was given in life given in death given in resurrection given in the second coming he was given we've got this the, the, our, our graphic yeah see that graphic right there on that screen and you could throw the graphic up up there for a minute our sermon graphic it's got a manger and, and in that manger there are there's some straw you see that straw in the manger Think about that. Jesus' suffering, when did his suffering begin? Jesus' suffering did not begin (laughs) the last week of his life. That is not when his suffering began. His suffering began the moment that Mary laid him in a manger. That's when his suffering began. I've, I've never been to a hospital And seeing them take a newborn baby and lay that baby on straw. (laughs) Think about how rough the ends of straw is, sticking and and prickly. Think about that. I heard a pastor talking about that and thinking about laying the the, the baby Jesus on that straw. That's when his suffering started. Even that, how uncomfortable is that? Even that was suffering. This is God become flesh. He knew. In other words, Jesus knew the job description before the incarnation. He knew he came to suffer and he came to die. And we know that he knew that. How do we know that he knew that? He told his mother that my time has not yet come. He doesn't say I'm not the one you're looking for. He said my time has not yet come. He told his mother he was Messiah. He told the Jews before Abraham was. What did Jesus say? I am. He told the Jews he's Messiah. He told the Samaritan woman. Who said, hey, when Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all things. And Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. He tells her he's Messiah. He told Pilate. Pilate said, Are you the king of the Jews? He said, You've said so. He told the Gentiles, the Jews, the Samaritans, he's Messiah. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. He says, I and the Father are one. Jesus, fear not, for I'm the first and the last. I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Hope comes not from religious rules. Hope comes not from redefining truth. Hope comes not from rebelling against the system. Hope comes not from retreating from the culture. Hope comes from the statement, I am the resurrection and the life. That's where our hope is. And think about the claims that Jesus made. If Jesus is not 100% the one he claimed to be, then the National Cookie Day is as significant as Christmas Day. If the incarnation is not truth, then any national day is as significant as Christmas day. Chew on that. Jesus said, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. He's not a dead teacher in a dead tomb. A dead teacher in a dead tomb isn't going to do anybody any good. He is alive. He is breathing. He is calling. He is delivering. He is saving. He is touching. He is loving. He is reigning. He is returning real soon. This is who he is. And and you can know him as Emmanuel, which means God with us. Which means God is not with us temporarily. He is with us eternally, forever. So now what do we do? We worship the one who is with us. We obey the one who is with us. We serve the one who is with us. We tell of him who is with us. We trust him who is with us. You can trust Messiah. And here's why. Number three, thirdly. The Messiah knows you are a mess. He knows you're a mess. He knows I'm a mess. He knows we are a mess. He knows this. Look at the next part of verse 6. Not only do we see the humanity of Jesus, to us a child is born. Not only do we see the deity of Jesus, to us a son is given. Look at this next part. We see the sovereignty of Jesus. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. He is sovereign. He is in charge. He is in control. That word government means just every kingdom under heaven. And I've said it before. A kingdom without a king doesn't make any sense. If you take the word king out of the word kingdom, all you're left with is three letters, D-O-M, and that's just dumb. Right? A king must have a kingdom and a kingdom must have a king. So Jesus is the king of the Jews but the Bible says he's also the king of all kings, which means he's the king of every single solitary kingdom. He's sovereign over them all. Over the universe, over you, over me. He is in control. He is in charge. He is sovereign. I love the language here. The government shall be upon his shoulder. Think about kingly robes being placed over Jesus. The king Uh, takes upon his shoulders the weight of the whole world. Don't you imagine he can take upon his shoulders the weight of your world? Don't you imagine he can? He's willing and able to do just that. And I know we're a mess. What a mess. What a hot mess. You know, all I want for Christmas, all I want for Christmas is to be able to cough again. My glory, I just want to clear my throat again. Without being looked at like I'm some alien. I want to go to the grocery store and get some peanut butter without making some inescapable political statement with my face. I just want peanut butter. We're a mess. Man, we're a mess. And God knows it. That's the thing. He knows it. And he joined our mess anyway. See, the early church in the book of Acts, what you will not find in the book of Acts and what you will not find about the early church, you will not find the early church saying, look at how messy our world is becoming. The early church says, look who is coming into our messy world. That has to be our message, church it's going to get messier and it's going to get worse before it gets better. So our message has to be, look who's joined us in our mess. The Messiah has come and he knows you're a mess. He knows I'm a mess. So I'm a messy dad. I'm a messy husband. I'm in a messy family and I want to speak to messy families. Any messy families here? Yes. Hey, how are you? I'm good. And you? Great. We're a mess. Think about Mary and Joseph. I want you to think for a moment about Joseph. Gosh, Joseph had a decision to make. Joseph had to decide between, number one, preserving his reputation. That's important. Reputation as a righteous man by divorcing Mary quietly. Okay? Stepping away nobly. He had every right to do that in that culture and in that time. So he had to choose between, hey, I'm going to preserve my reputation as a righteous man, or he could could choose to decide to be a righteous man and take Mary as his wife. I'm so thankful that God knew that Joseph, even in that mess, God knew that Joseph was going to love God. Joseph loved Mary Joseph loved Jesus more than Joseph loved Joseph. I'm so thankful for that. And he's a man like me and a human like you. Broken, a mess. (laughs) And God knew it, and he joined in their mess. So, hey, adoptive parents, be encouraged. Foster parents, be encouraged grandparents, step-parents, biological parents, spiritual parents. Listen, if God can use Joseph in Jesus's life, surely he can use you and me in our children and grandchildren's lives. He knows we're a mess, and he chooses to use us anyway. Be encouraged by that. But here's what we must do. David Jeremiah shares a story about George. George George worked for the YMCA, director of YMCA, when the YMCA was losing money. I mean, just losing money. And he was working 85, 90 hours a week trying to save the YMCA. And he was on the verge of a nervous breakdown, and his doctor told him, look, you've got to take a break. You're going to have to get away. So he took a few days. He went to some woods near his house, and when he walked into the woods, his muscles relaxed. He could breathe again. He sat down, and he was just amazed at how calm and peaceful this was, so he took out a little notepad and he began to write. He said, Dear God, comma, I hereby resign as general manager of the universe. Love George. And George said, looking back on that moment, looking back on that note that he wrote, this is what he said. He said, In wonders of all wonders, can you believe it that God accepted my resignation? Can you believe that? He accepted it. God's here today ready to accept your resignation. It's time for you to resign. As the general manager of the universe, it's time for you to surrender to the general in that manger, that baby in Bethlehem. Sin has broken us. Our brokenness cannot be fixed apart from that baby in Bethlehem. His birth, his, de- his life, His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ascension. Our brokenness has no chance outside of a relationship with that baby in Bethlehem. I don't know how everything's going to unfold this year or next year, I, I don't, but I know who's unfolding it, and His name is Jesus. And He is the Messiah. And so let me give you this takeaway, and we'll be done. Uh, last thing here, uh, you can know that your mess is not too much for Messiah. Know that Messiah knows you're a mess, and because of that, you can know that your mess is not too much, or is it too little for Messiah? He can handle it. He's willing. He's able to take on your mess. Adam and Eve, they, their fall into sin, which, by the way, led to the sin of all, was not too much for Messiah. Blind Bartimaeus' blindness was not too much for Messiah. Cornelius' whole household being lost, not too much for Messiah. Finding a way to save Noah and his family from the flood, not too much for Messiah. Getting up and getting out of that grave, not too much for Messiah. Giving grace to those of us, all of us, who deserve the grave, not too much for Messiah. Letting loose Lazarus from that lifeless tomb, not too much for Messiah. Hey, get this, Paul the Apostle's past as Saul the assassin was not too much for Messiah. Reconciling what is irreconcilable in your life is not too much for Messiah. Rejoicing over one sinner who comes to repentance is not too much for Messiah. America's wokeness and lack of awakening is not too much for Messiah. Your burden and your cares are not too much for Messiah. Don't you buy into the enemy's lie telling you that you're too much or you're too little for Messiah. Your life, your mess, however messy it is, is not too much for Messiah. So here's how you need to respond. Three ways you need to respond. Either one, two, or all three. Number one, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. To us a child is born. Why to us was a child born? Simple answer. Jesus was born for one reason, for one purpose. He was born so that you could be born again, period. For you to be on this earth, you had to be born physically, okay? For you to be in heaven, you have to be born again spiritually. You're not getting into heaven if you're not born again spiritually. You're not. So the question is, have you been born again spiritually? I love this lyric in, in, in this Christmas hymn, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second what birth that means born again spiritually you got to be born again some of you have not you're religious your hope is in rules your your hope is in religion your hope is in redefining truth or retreating from culture Rebelling against the system. No, no, no. Our hope is in the resurrection and the life that Jesus is. He is. So we must be born again. So humble yourself. Admit you're a sinner. Confess your sin to God and believe on Him. Call upon His name and you'll be saved today. Some of you need to be born again. Some of you need to give yourself to God. I was born again at 21 years of age. I didn't surrender. I didn't give myself to God until I was 29. Listen, the Son is given so that we can give ourselves to God. God gave so we could give ourselves right back to Him. And some of you have not done that. You need to surrender. Maybe you're born again. Maybe you've been saved, but you've not surrendered your life to Him. You've not given yourself to God. Today's the day to do that. There is no better fulfillment, satisfaction, and purpose in this world than taking up your cross daily and following Jesus. None. None. And lastly, we all need to cast our cares, cast our burdens, cast our mess on Messiah. Maybe you have a burden for a lost person in your life. You need to come to these steps, if you're in the room, and cry out to God. Maybe you've got a burden or a care that you're carrying, that that is weighing you down. Jesus, it says right here, the government shall be upon his shoulders. If he can bear the weight of the world on his shoulders, he can bear your weight. And the weight of your world on his shoulders, but you got to give it to him. So come to the altar, come to these steps. Just you—you you talk to the Lord right here. If you're watch, worshiping with us online, you can text us to seven nine nine six nine. Text Jesus or Connect. We have people ready to talk to you right now to pray for you, to show you and tell you how you can be born again or give yourself to God. Or we're going to stand church. If you're in the room, we're going to.